Hello and welcome to Digital Free Thought Radio Hour at WZO Radio 103.9 LPFM right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Today is November 24th, and if it's not, then you're listening to a rebroadcast of the show and should not be trying to call in. I'm Dider 5, and as usual, we have Wombat on the phone with us. Say hello, Wombat. Hello, it's the Wombat, and Larry, you sound so good. Your clarity is uh, amazing. It must be this wonderful new mic I have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy That's to hear a, it. It's like we're yeah. back in the same room again. I'm really happy. Yeah. It's a Yeti Blue, and it's a USB mic. It's working really well. Nice. And happy to have it. Thanks so much for sending it cool. to me. Nice. Um, and with us today, we have an ex-Muslim, Malik. Would you say hello? Malik? I know he's there. He was there just a second ago. He's probably following <laughs> with the mute button on his phone. Yeah. Hello. There he is. Okay. There he hello, is. Hello. Yay. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. <laughs> Oops, hit my mic. Is a call in talk radio show about atheism, free thought, rational thought, humanism, and the sciences. And conversely, we'll also talk about religion, religious faiths, God's holy books, and superstition. And if you get the feeling that you're the only non believer in Knoxville, well, you're just not. There are several atheist, free thinking, and rationalist groups that exist right here in Knoxville, and we'll be telling you how you can connect with them right after the mid show break. Also, did you know that there's an atheist call-in television show broadcasting here in Knoxville? Oh, yeah. I know all about it. for nine years. Yes. Really? And I'm so glad. Listen, when they came out with the first Sonic trailer, I was like, that's the model they're going to use for Sonic the Hedgehog. He looks like the Uh, new alien mm, from Avatar plus the monkey boy from Jumanji. But they finally redid him. And the internet went crazy. And they're all like, hey, we need to redo what Sonic looks like. And I'm like, I'm so glad they did it. It looks so good now. I'm really I'm I'm sure that's all well and good. But that's not the atheist call-in television show that we have here in Knoxville. Wait, we have an atheist call-in TV show. Yes, and have been for nine years. Anyway, we'll tell you how you can watch that as well about mid-show break. Uh, we'll give you all the details on that. And it's just online and on TV, so in the local, local area, it'll be available to you. And if you're not in the local area, you can listen to it online. Cool. And in spite of what Steve Martin would have you think, there are an awful lot of atheist songs out there. And you'll be hearing some of them right here on this program and generally on this station as they are in rotation. And what do we have today? Just miscellaneous questions from callers? Is that what we're working with today, Wamp? Yeah, we got a lot of questions that have been put out on Reddit on Street Epistemology, or r slash Street Epistemology, which is where I go to to post a lot of the videos of the talks that I do. And Larry, you need to post some of your stuff too when you when you are uh, a prolific YouTube <laughs> sensation uh, or hey, uh, you want to just put out some of your audios or any like really cool things. Yeah. Feel free to, uh, on, uh, on the Reddit. Is yeah, that what you're yeah. saying? There's a website called reddit.com on the World Wide web. It's sort of like uh-huh. AOL, but it's way better. Oh, I'm familiar <laughs> with Reddit. I just didn't know which particular area of Reddit you're talking okay. about. Yeah. There's a, there's a subreddit for street epistemology. It's called r slash okay. street epistemology. Yeah. And there's an open forum thread for where people can post questions with regard yeah. to the show because i post our talks that we do on mm-hmm. my channel as well um okay and we have a bunch of them uh some of them are really interesting and i want us and they've been piling up we've actually had like over 40 questions i don't think we'll have all the time but we can definitely go back to this pool later on for sure so um here's here's the first one i think it's probably the easiest one to just hash out um right. someone wants to know what street epistemology is they say uh, kind of a dumb question. This is sent to us by Melissa, uh, who's an otaku. 
Uh, Melissa Otaku is the screen name. Kind of a dumb question, but I've seen this on the, I've seen the subreddit linked quite a few times, and I'm curious. Could someone please give me a quick answer? What's well, we've all asked it at, the, at some time or another. We've all asked it. It was <laughs> a new concept. Yeah, <laughs> so. I don't. I, I, in my opinion, I've always said this. I think street epistemology is a very, very complicated term for something that's really, really simple, and that's just talking uh-huh. to people without sounding like a jerk. <laughs> and I, yep. and yeah. I think if you've ever asked someone, "How'd you figure that out?" You're basically doing street epistemology because yeah. it's, but it's it's really it's more than just talking to somebody. It's it's true. examining the foundations of how we know things. Oh, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean it, we. We all know things from different sources in our life. I mean, we weren't born with the encyclopedic knowledge that we have today. We all gained that knowledge through different uh, venues and different means. Like our parents and, and textbooks yeah, and fortune cookies. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and Bibles and, and <laughs> holy works and, and all astrology that. and horoscopes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And You're some saying- of it, some of it uh, comes to us through questionable means and we need to take some time occasionally and question those means to make sure we're working with valid information right because if we really care about learning and knowing true things we want to have the best ways of doing it and if we have unreliable ways of getting there that should at least reduce our confidence in whether or not whatever that thing says is true or not and i think it's a good thing to just take the moment to go over how you believe something rather than just what you believe and and a lot of people don't especially like from but i've seen this on both sides both religious and non-religious people just haven't given themselves the opportunity to think about what they believe to be true and how they got there. And I think street epistemology is a great venue for someone to just sit down with someone and ask, how did you cut? Co- how did you figure that out? And it's, right. really- and it's important that we ask how and not what. Hmm. Very true. Because a lot, a lot of people's uh, notions, the notions that they have, uh, are their baby, as it were. You know, they're very proud of it. <laughs> and what they, what they, what they, the conclusions they have reached. So attacking those conclusions sometimes can start arguments or bad feelings, and and people get defensive. So it's more important. Uh, You've told me this many times on the show. That it's more important to to take to talk about the how yeah, and uh, examine the methods and, and make sure that the methods are valid. And the really cool thing is you can use straight epistemology with anything. It doesn't just have to be religious concepts. It could be about science. It could be about, you know, some very deeply profound uh, social positions that people have. And it's just a good thing to be able to ask a good venue to kind of have that kind of conversation without it making uh-huh. it be a argument or a debate. Um, right. If you so another question that we got, thank you, Melissa, for that question, by the way, is um, if I want someone to perform SE on me, street epistemology SE, what can I do? Also, what would you say to and now they presented um, something that they'd like to have asked SE wise. But here, if someone wanted to have um, SE performed on them, just feel free to reach out on the street epistemology subreddit. Well, I mean, there'll be plenty of people there who are enthusiasts who want to get in touch with you. Um Larry, if you have a email or something like that you want to plug, do you have one of those, you know, internet oh, mail have, things? I have one specifically for questions about atheism. Cool. It's called Ask an Atheist. <coughs> excuse me. At uh, knoxvilleatheist.org. Okay. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. And then also I have my YouTube channel, Let's Chat, at, um, which is on YouTube. Feel free to send a comment. I'll be happy to reach out too. But. Here's the question. Um, if I want someone to perform essay on me, what can I do? Also, what would you say to, and then here's a colon, 
I think here's the claim. I think violence is sometimes an acceptable means of achieving political or social change. And uh, to flesh that out, he says, I think individuals have an obligation to avoid contributing to climate change, even though their actions will not make a difference. So how about this? We'll go on the uh, violence is sometimes acceptable means of achieving political social change. Do you how would you tackle that with an SE? Well, I think how would you tackle it? Yeah. Like what would be your approach if someone says well, you would just ask questions about why they believe that mm. um, and then get into the specifics of uh, how they reach that conclusion. Right. Um, now, uh, if you want to try to do SE on me while well, I try to answer that. Um, we can give an example of that. Okay, sure. So then if you said, if so you want to have that claim and then me ask you questions or do you want to reverse it? Do you want no, to... um, I'll make the claim. Okay. So you and, think, uh, so doubt or fine, you think violence is sometimes acceptable means of achieving political social change. Is that true? For the sake of argument, yes. <laughs> <laughs> is there a limit to how much violence or is any amount of violence acceptable? I would say there's a limit. Um, I mean, once once the uh, the obstruction of freedom and uh, the obstruction of political will mm-hmm. uh, has been removed, then the violence should end. And you should never go to violence as a first resource. It should be something that you do after many channels have been tried. Okay. And let's take uh, China right now as right. an example, Hong sure. Kong. Okay, yes. Um, they have been uh, self-governing for the last, I don't know, 50 years, uh, 60 years. And uh, now, although there's not supposed to be reverted back to Chinese government, mainland Chinese government for another 40 years or so, uh, the Chinese government has started to uh, reach in and start controlling things like elections and and uh, power to assemble and power free speech and, and things like that. And the free people of, of Hong Kong mm-hmm. are taking exception to that they're taking to the street and they are they're rioting to some extent they're doing uh um what do you call it protesting yeah yeah, yeah. but but if if a government or uh, an entity is is re- trying to remove your rights like happened to us during this the american uh, revolution hmm. uh there if they give you no political recourse like in Hong Kong now, they're not giving them any political resource, so they have to either take to the street and protest or, you know, violently revolt in order to protect their rights. Though here, here, and I agree with like a lot of the things you're saying, but I wonder if, if it could be shown to you that most times compared to not when violence is used to try to cause political or social changes, it leads to worse political or social conditions around the mm-hmm. world. Would that yeah. make you less, less, less sure that violence is acceptable if it generally Certainly. leads to worse places? Okay, right. cool. So it, yes, it's I would not, be open to that. So it's not just change. You want an improvement, like you say, like hey, right. violence can make an improvement. Yeah. Well, then I it's think acceptable. That, like the founding fathers of America had. Uh, every reason to believe that there are certain inalienable rights that people mm. have. Mm. And if people, if organizations or like governments or uh, political uh, forces uh, start to deny those rights to you and your family and your community, okay. then I think that uh, you should try every peaceful means that you can through voting, uh, speech, free speech, articles, talking to uh, 
the people in negotiations before you ever resort to any kind of uh, protest or violence. Um, but you should not you should not kowtow, uh, <laughs> you know, basically fall under their rules simply because you have an aversion to violence. I hear the Star Spangled Banner playing right now and like yeah, Larry yeah. holding a flag, just being like, and here's my, okay. Uh, but so, so then instead of just saying like, I think violence is sometimes acceptable if you can cause political change, you mean more like violence is good as a last resource right. uh-huh. in the, towards improving political and social changes. And if, and, and there's always going to be limitations. The preservation the of your human rights. Right. And there's limitations on the amount of violence that will be accepted. Well, sure. Right. right. I think that's a much more nuanced and an appreciative position of everyone's social impact. And I think that opportunity to just hash that out is worthwhile. And it only took right. about five and, minutes. And the listener will notice that we talked about the why. Yeah. Uh, more than we talked about my my belief in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We went into like how you came to that conclusion more and, and right. supporting it rather than just and here's a list of ten things that I think are wrong with America. <laughs> China uh-huh. or America. Okay. Right. So he had another follow up question too, I think we should tackle as well. Uh the second one was I think individuals have an obligation to avoid contributing to climate change, even though their actions will not yep. make a difference. Huh, that's a weird second part. To I'm sentence. sorry, I couldn't understand you. You were, you were breaking up really badly oh, on this bad. end. My bad. Uh, here it is again. The second claim that um, Elinus, Elinicus uh, would like for us to examine is, I think individuals have an obligation to avoid contributing to climate change. Individuals well, I... should be obligated to avoid adding to climate change. So he's saying obligation here. Like, we should morally uh-huh. not, as an individual, contribute or to climate politically. change. Or legally. But he's saying on yeah. the individual, which I think is really interesting, because now oh. it's like on the individual basis, I would have I would have a counter to this in the sense of like if I were if we were arguing or debating, like there's nothing that I can do <laughs> aside mm-hmm. from holding my breath and, and freezing myself to avoid contributing to the amount of like you know greenhouse gases well, in the air I, and stuff like that well i think they have a point and i think that uh, there are things that you can do if, if you have the wherewithal to do them like instead of driving a gas car you could get an electric one right um, instead of uh, if you can afford it but though what if it was shown that the costs of making brand new cards that have lithium ions as as their main power source leads to more harm overall if we can't use the the ones that we already have an established infrastructure for like what if the life cycle of like an electric car is as bad as a as a standard car like well then of course i would agree that we probably need to issue that hmm. um however um considering that the the consequences of global climate change is is destruction of all of our species we need to take (laughs) and we need to Consider the obligation as, as a moral choice and a necessary mm. one. Okay, so I think instead of like saying, "Hey, you're morally obligated to avoid contributing to climate change," it should be more like you're obligated to take action to be more green. Because yeah. no matter what yeah. you do, you'll 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 contribute to climate change just through the fact that you exist. But right. so that seems like I'm going to have kids. Like I might have kids. Like all that. Yeah, stuff. but. I- Again, we're talking about the how instead of the why. Right. I want to make, I want to, so I think if anything, I just rephrased the claim. My SEO approach would be like, maybe it's not so much about avoiding contributing to greenhouse or climate change, but enacting people to be more green, which is sort of like less proven negative and more like doing something positive. And so like, if I said, Hey, I'll carpool more 
I can still keep my car, but then I'll also have less of an impact on climate change through carpooling. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Again, we it's not the how uh, we were talking about. We should be talking more about the why and the how rather than the what. Sure, um, sure. So, I mean, we're we're kind of concentrating on how bad uh, global warming is and what we should do about it. Okay, I hear rather than how we reach the decision. So then it would be a question you know, the of the method like, for his decision. Why do you Sorry. think there's a moral obligation to? Uh, avoid contributing to climate change and then it would be a question of like if it turns out we weren't morally obligated would it still be worthwhile to not contribute to climate change and if that's the case then there may not be a moral obligation but it's still something that we should do not just Hmm. ought to do again again you're talking about shoulds and and what's rather than how the reason or why why we should or how he got that position is that the scientific evidence is that we are contributing to a global climate change. Mm-hmm. So we should concentrate on how he got his knowledge right? to make his decisions on his actions, just, which come later. I'll say it again really, really more clearly. I'm asking uh-huh. him how he determined that there was a moral obligation there, and then we can focus okay. on that. And if it turns out okay. that there is a moral obligation because he's supported that through his how, I'm fine mm-hmm. with it. But if the result is that there isn't a moral obligation, we can then transition the conversation to, okay, maybe I'm not morally obligated, but it's still something maybe that we should do towards like preserving human race. We can transition the conversation out of like the SE mode. That sounds right. All right. Um, Yeah. I'm always thinking of like, there's things called routes reasoning that I like consider. It's like, how Uh do you get into the SE conversation? And then what's the exit plan? Because <laughs> some people get tired when they just do epistemology talk all the time. You want to like, hopefully, come out to something constructive at the end of a, a conversation. Right. Um. Yeah. Hey, we had a we are we got like about ten minutes in or before we go to our break. We had a question that was specifically for you. Um. One. This was asked by Al Joseph twenty one. He asked, "Why was Larry a closeted atheist for thirty years?" Well, I think a lot of it is the same reason, same reason that people are closeted today. Um, they fear the consequences of coming out of the atheist closet, uh, consequences to their family, their friends, um, their workplace. Um, I was working, um, in a corporate environment, uh, right after college. So, um, I had to keep it to myself, I thought. And was I was period? probably correct. Huh? What was the time period? Because that might play a lot into it, too. Oh, 75 to 85? Yeah. And then after that, uh, I had my own business, so I didn't want to talk about atheism you know, to my clients because I'm sure I would have lost quite a few of them. Mm. But And at the same time, I figured that um, you know, I couldn't really do anything about all this religious belief in America. Uh, in the world, you know, what could I do other than hurt myself by coming out of the closet? Mm. Uh, this is something, um, that our other guest today, Malik might have some words on. Uh, he's currently in the atheist closet. Um, Malik, if you're there, would you like to chime in on this question? Yeah. And feel free to jump in anytime. Um, Larry, though, I would say like the time period that you're in plays a lot into how, how willing you are to divulge your, uh, and compared to how we are now, I think I think we've become a lot more progressive to people having a lack of faith, particularly in like 2019 compared to 1970s. Would you agree? Well, with that? sure, 
Yeah, oh, I certainly would. And one of the reasons uh, I came out of the closet eventually after 30 years was because of 9-11. Hmm. Uh, the 9-11 uh, incident, you know, the planes into the the towers and the Pentagon, uh, opened a lot of people to the hazards and, and the harm that religion does. I mean, these were religious people attacking our country hmm. based on their religion. Uh, and I'm sure uh, that it started the national and global conversation about religious beliefs. And uh, I think that we're we're in that age now still. I, I think also and Malik could speak to this uh, when he comes back, but uh, he was talking about in his in his country, there's no one that he's aware of that can be an open atheist without severe social repercussions. Right. And right. maybe even bodily harm. Like, so it's not or just, death. yeah, <laughs> or death. <laughs> yeah, it goes all the way yeah. down there. So I'm uh, thinking like, um, it, I, it's always weird to think of things in context. Like in America, it's just like an uncomfortable thing to talk about because we, you know, we, we might lose our business. We may lose our relationships. But like in other places, you might literally just die the next day if you, if you come out and say, hey, actually, I don't have a good reason to believe this. Oh, we'll kill you right. then. <laughs> it's, yes, a, it's a great turn for critical thinking uh-huh so yeah it's bad here but like oh man it could be it could be a nightmare in a lot of other situations either way i'm glad that you're out I'm oh sorry. i'm definitely out i mean i sit out on campuses and 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 try to counter the religious evangelicals that are there by offering a uh, the availability of an atheist for questioning yeah not only that but you mon- you run a mean and 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 clean meetup group somewhat clean. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, very cool group it's a very cool group of people very cool high, group. high cool factor yeah yeah very high cool and yeah. very diverse too and i think when i like i said when i moved up to kentucky the first thing i tried to do was like when i came out as an atheist in sweden i was like okay i'm going back to the south all right hopefully there's an atheist group nearby and i searched atheists and meetup and i was like here's this group You'll find us. We have a copy of this uh, um, uh, Charles Dark, uh, Dawkins book at our table. Come by. And I'm like, ooh, there's only like two people in this picture. <laughs> <laughs> Is this group yeah. still around? And I checked it out. And next thing you know, he's just like, yeah, yeah, come on over. Come by. And it was just a table full of people. And yeah. and when I say table, I don't mean like, you know, a party room or it's a polite, you know, number of people in attendance. I mean, like, think Skyrim levels, Game of Thrones, long bench. <laughs> Filled with rows yeah. and rows of people just wanted to talk about religion and how they escaped it. And it was just a wonderful yeah. environment to be in. Yeah. It's awesome. Hey, hey guys. Uh, Eric Green is here. I, I jumped on earlier. Yo. Uh, thought I'd, I'd like to chime in on this one, too, if you yeah, mind. Sure. Go for go it. Go for it. <clears throat> so, so it's something, as, as you mentioned before, we do the thing called the summit where people come over and we discuss religion and philosophy and other things. Um, this has actually come up several times. Uh, in, in our summits. And it's interesting because I have a very different perspective on this than some of the younger members that come to summit. Um, some folks in their, in their early twenties compared to myself in, in my forties, I see a whole lot of danger, uh, of coming out as an atheist in my work, which is a bit more conservative, uh, field of civil engineering and, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's like college of agriculture is the same way where it's just a lot more conservative in nature. And I, I'd be willing to bet 15 years ago, had I come out very openly, I would have missed opportunity to promote 
connections and and research opportunities. And, and I think there's just a lot of that general kind of uh, uh, good old boy type uh-huh. yeah. nature where you you do favors for the people you like. You know, they root for the same team you root for. There's a lot of that um, that nature there. But when I bring that up to some of the younger folks that come, they're, they're, they're shocked. They're like, you really think that would happen here? No, no. You know, the, you know, we have the, a lot of us work at the university at the same area and, uh, the, they'll, they'll kind of scratch their heads and think there's no way that I would be passed over for, for a promotion because if I came out openly atheist. Yeah. It's a completely um, different mindset. And it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, that's a good thing, I think, for younger people. Yeah. I, I hope it's, I hope it's right. Yeah. Um, I think it varies from job to job. Corporation to corporation, so they need to be careful and selective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you for that contribution. Hey, listen. Yeah, I'll, yeah. yeah, I appreciate it. Let me let me ask one last quick thing. Um, you you had said that it was a good thing that the kids these days don't feel as um, I would say as many inhibitions as like maybe we had when we were like getting ready to come out. Though I wonder, like, is there any benefit to, like, realizing how hard that struggle was? Because I don't want them to feel like there's not a problem, if that makes any sense. Like, in Sweden right now, we have uh, people who are atheists because their parents were atheists. Not because they came to that conclusion on their own. It was just a, oh, well, I'd never been indoctrinated. And so they right. still don't have the faculties to, like, critically think themselves out of a, a dogma if they fall into one. They just have taken for granted right. that, oh, well, you know, I never really considered that if a God existed or not, so I'm just going to go on in my merry way. And the street of small just over there have a hard time convincing them that it's important to think about how you come to your conclusions and why it's good to, like, think critically really? about religion. Oh, no. Yeah, that's their that's, struggle over there. That's really interesting. So you're basically, they, they weren't trained, they didn't go through that experience to get out yes. of the indoctrination, so they don't have the tools to, that's really interesting, I would have never thought of that. So yeah. if anything, they're really susceptible to like falling into it, if it was just yeah. a cultural change. Yeah, one of the people that I talked to on campus recently was an evangelical young man, he was probably 19, 18, and he was raised in an atheist household, he said, but Boy, you couldn't find another more staunch Christian right now or evangelical. <laughs> um, he did not reason himself into his his atheism, of course. And that's one of the reasons why he, you know, went ahead and accepted claims without right. uh, evidence. Yeah. And uh, it, it was sad to see it, but it, you're right. It happens. Yeah. So I'd say, and you know what? I'll tell you this, too. When Eric and I went up to the protest for the Ark Museum, um, I had got the opportunity to talk to a lot of atheists, like back, back to back, which was like one of the first for me, like outspoken, confident atheists that wanted to talk about why they didn't believe in God. And some of them had the position of like, well, I know for a fact that science proves that there's no God. And I'm like, what science yeah, no, proves no. that? <laughs> like, well, just look at it scientifically. It's, it's, <laughs> and this mm-hmm. was like, I've had like Aaron Ra tell me that. I'm just like, you're, you're a prominent atheist. I feel like at a certain point, you don't have to take on that much burden of evidence. You could just be like, it's, it's up to them. It's, it's not true. It's not even worth considering until the Christians bring something that's even rational to the table. Right. But you don't have to go out of the way and also say, and I know for a fact that whatever they bring to the table is also scientifically not right. possible. It's like, you don't have to go that far. 
Science literally has nothing to say about the supernatural. Exactly. It doesn't have anything to test, and, and science is all about testing. Right, right. And if you can't test it, you can't say anything about it, which, right. is, which is the Christian's problem or the, yeah. the Muslim's problem, but not our problem. So right. when they figure that out and bring it to the table, we'll be happy to look at it. It's like, once you have scientific right. evidence, great. Bring us something to test. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not a book of claims. Um, right. Hey, let's go to the break. Uh, this has been okay. a good conversation so far. You're listening to 103.9 FM, low power, digital free thought radio coming out of Knoxville. We'll talk to you after some short music and conversations about what's going on locally in Knoxville. Sounds good. You're listening to the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on Wozo 103.9 LPFM in Knoxville, Tennessee. Feel free to join in on the conversation at 865-333-5937. That's 865-333-5937. And now, back to the show. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Simply the best. Okay. Hello and welcome back. I'm Dr. Five and this is the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on WOZO Radio 103.9 LP FM right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Today's November 24th, 2019. And if it's not where you're listening, then you're listening to a rebroadcast of the show. Should not try to call in. Okay, let's talk about the free thought groups that you can join right here in Knoxville and in East Tennessee. First, there's the Atheist Society of Knoxville. Founded in 2002, we're in our 17th year. ASK now has 980 members as of this morning. And you can find us online at knoxvilleatheist.org or you can go directly to a meetup.com and search for Knoxville Atheists. It's just that simple. Even Googling it will do it. Also, you can join ASK in person at our weekly meetup, which happens every Tuesday evening at Barley's Taproom and Pizzeria here in Knoxville's Old City where we get together for food, drink, and conversation. Everybody is welcome. That as long as you don't come to preach, proselytize, provoke, or punch. Thank you, Atheist Experience. By the way, if you don't live in Knoxville, you should still go to meetup.com and search for an atheist group in your town. If you don't find one, start one. Another large free-thinking group here in Knoxville are the Rationalists of East Tennessee. They've been around for more than 20 years. RET has bi-weekly presentations and discussions on the Pellissippi State Campus on Hardin Valley Road. They meet the first and third Sundays in the Goins Administration Building. Uh, but if that's too much to remember, just go to rationalist.org and click on the upcoming events. There's also the Sunday Assembly. If you like church but no longer believe in God, uh, just go to Sunday Assembly. Uh, look for it in <laughs> yeah, Knoxville. That's, really that's right. Do a search or Google search for Sunday Assembly in Knoxville, and somebody is typing, and we're picking up that noise. <laughs> if there's <laughs> a no-God church setting for those who no longer believe. However, they only meet once a month on the fourth Sunday, so Google it to find out when and where. Uh, that's about it. We need, we said we we're going to talk about the Atheist Call-In TV show at the break. We have a Call-In well, Atheist TV show? <laughs> uh, yeah, believe it or not. It's called Free Thought Forum, and you can see it most every Wednesday between 6.30 and 7.30 on Comcast Channel 12. I can say that. There you go. And, and on Charter Channel 192. Or you can watch it streaming online uh, at ctvnox.org. You can also find archives of some of their shows on YouTube where a fan has been posting them. 
Just go to YouTube and search for three words, Free Thought Forum Knoxville. Also, if you're interested in getting involved in the TV or the radio show, just come to an Ask Meetup or an RET meeting and talk to us about it. You could be our next co-host or guest. Uh, with us on the show today, we have Wombat. Yo, Wombat. And who's the other guest? Do they have a radio name or we use a regular name or what? I guess my, my radio name's Boudreaux. Boudreaux. Okay, Boudreaux. Well, welcome back Man, to the show, Boudreaux. Flash, that's a throwback. I remember it. I remember it. I remember it. I remember yeah. it. Yeah. And we're talking about miscellaneous questions and right. uh, street epistemology. So we've had a list of questions that have been sent to us on reddit.com r slash street epistemology and you feel free to add to the list just make a new post and i'll compile them and we'll go through them as as best as we can we had some really great questions um another person that had a question with regard to how can i approach a conversation with a friend who's dogsastically closed oh man that's a word i've never said out loud before <laughs> Dog, yeah. all right dogsastically <laughs> <laughs> Easy for me to say. Who's just very, very close-minded. I have a friend that's very, very close-minded, and how can I reach right. him? So uh, here's the summary that he's given. Uh, my conversation's main reason for their belief in God is that they have the Bible and faith and that they're 100% confident. They know they will not accept to lower their evidence. Or, or they will not lower their confidence that in anything that deters from the truth of the Bible, they have they believe that their Christian faith is a reliable epistemology, and they do not believe any outside sources are needed to prove the validity of the Bible. So he's listed those three things out. The one thing he did that does work is he has agreed that if he was born in a Muslim country, he would probably be Muslim, and that's as far mm -hmm. as he gotten. And I, yeah, in my opinion, I think that's perfect. You don't have to, you don't have to change someone's mind completely. Because it's always up to them whether or not they change their mind. But if uh -huh. you can make them consider that if they were they would have a completely different faith if they were born in a place where the common faith was completely different, that's mm -hmm. huge. And that's fine enough to just say, okay, I'm glad mm -hmm. I had the chat with you. Because that's yeah. you can play the long game there. So maybe someone else can yeah. pick it up after that. But. Right. Oh, I, I agree. And I think that it all comes in steps. You're not going to convert somebody in a single conversation or deconvert. <laughs> yeah. Um, sometimes it seems like uh, believers convert each other in a single conversation, right. but they don't realize that they, the people they're converting was raised uh, in the belief of a soul and a hereafter and God and all this other stuff. And that they really were just being pushed over the edge of committing their life to it. Mm. They still had all the beliefs before they uh, accepted the conversion. Yeah. Um, and and I, another another thing that that always kind of gets me about the atheist experience out of Austin, Texas, which I oh, I, I, I have the highest respect for, um, but somebody will call in and say that they're a deist, and they will spend a half an hour talking to them about you know why they they can't believe in a deistic god or they shouldn't or it's not productive or whatever. Mm. But when I when I've talked to somebody and and I show them that there's really no reason to believe in any particular god like Christianity or Islam or or whatever, and that that they say, well, somebody had to create the universe. I say, well, okay, well, let's talk about the deistic god, oh, and we go there and we and we talk about it for a while, and I feel that. At that point, they're not causing any harm in the world anymore. <laughs> they have no dogma. They're, they're not. They don't have any book telling them what they should or shouldn't do. You know, they 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 have no dogma, and dogma is really the problem. They've put. Oh, okay. But, oh, 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 man, that's so cool. So I've never heard you say that before. So basically, if you can yeah. frame their religion to a non-dogmatic 
but just an imaginary friend that doesn't exist yeah. anymore by definition. Right. You're totally yeah. fine with them believing in it because it's not. It right. shouldn't be something that should influence their behavior right. or like. But I, like I do like to make one point though. Hmm. Uh, the point is, what good does it do you to believe that there was a God rather than we don't know? Right. You know, I mean, what basically what you're doing is we don't know where the universe came from, hmm. so we're going to stick a God in there. That we don't know where li- how life began. So we're going to stick a God in there. Yeah. All you're doing is pushing back uh, the question one step because we now we don't know where God came from. Larry, you're saying and, the thing I was going to say to you, so keep, keep going. <laughs> you, you're already, yeah. But I mean, you're replacing a mystery just by, by pushing it back one step. And yeah. what good does that actually do you? Mm-hmm. And I leave them. Uh, I try to leave them with that thought. You so. Know, that, my goal when I'm doing SE is never to try to convert someone. It's just to instill an appreciation for having good methods to come to true conclusions. Right. And, exactly. And, yeah. and also, if anything, to appreciate the idea of I don't know as an answer for when I don't know uh-huh. something. Right. And I yes. am fine. Any steps we take closer to that, if anything, I'm, if anything that I'm um, trying to convert to, it's just to more of more of a critical thinker. But I don't have an agenda beyond that. And if it turns out that someone can sit across from me and explain God in in concrete terms that make sense and is in supported through re- reasonable evidence that meets uh-huh. the standard of expectation, dude, I would convert right there on that table. So like I have that open-mindedness about it. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that, yeah, when you can get someone to say, Hey, I a hundred percent believe in God. I think faith is a hundred percent reliable. I will not accept any evidence against my Bible, but yeah, if I was born somewhere else, I'd probably be Hindu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's yeah. that's such a huge first step because now you've given them something to think about you put as one right. of my friends would say a pebble in their shoe for them mm-hmm. to like be like why did i say that would i really what was that guy's name i can't remember uh, shoe pebble. <laughs> okay yeah. so how about this this is actually a good one it feeds right into it there's a guy who says um he didn't say this outright so i've, I've titled this question i don't like essie <laughs> But he's criti- he's critical of the method. His name is Demel Teb, and he says um, basically, I think that SE can give people a wonderful opportunity to play hide and seek, to not actually engage in debate, but to always keep the ball in the other party's court. That gives you the street epistemologist power. Most into- interlocutors are probably not even aware of this. That just by taking part in your game, played by your rules, they assume a submissive position. There's a power imbalance when you do SE. And the power of balance is the death of true and honest communication. I also think that there's a pretense of not wanting to convert people uh, in, by street epistemologists. And I think that's dishonest. You would have to be nearly saintly or enlightened, maybe, to actually have no stakes in the conversation. At the very, well, there's, almost, almost there. At the very, very least, some, protection, uh, some practitioners are bound to be sneaky. I haven't seen those problems addressed by any of the major proponents of SE. Yeah, well, there are two things that you unpack. Well, three, I guess. <laughs> uh, but but the first one uh, about it being dishonest. Yeah. Um, I, you tell them right up front that we can talk about anything you want to, and it's them usually that goes to religion. Yeah. Well, you'd be and, surprised how often that happens, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. And uh, the moral high ground, I wouldn't agree with that either because they have just as much opportunity to question um well, I guess you are questioning their how-to, their, uh, their methods, mm. rather than your methods mm. in, uh, in 
in street epistemology, but they could. Yes. I mean, it's a conversation. They could bring up your methods and say, I don't, I don't agree with what you're doing here right. and then talk and switch the conversation to that or even start with that. Yeah. It, I, it is something that they could do. I, I think more than any other street epistemologist, I'll, 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 I'll prop my color on this one. I try to make it a conversation more than anything else. And uh-huh. when I do my talks now, I broke down SE into three main points. One is make it a, make, keep it positive. Make it mm-hmm. a conversation, but also let them think for themselves. Don't answer questions for them and don't answer flow chart misleading right. questions that lead to a direction. Be open minded because that will be reflected by the person you're talking to and they'll be open minded too. And if I go in there with an agenda trying to change someone's mind, they're going to go in there with an agenda trying to change my mind and we won't get anywhere. But if I say honestly, openly, I want to have a conversation with you about whatever really strongly motivates you. And mm-hmm. my agenda, I do have a stake in the conversation. My my stake really is I want you to think about <laughs> what you believe and I want you to consider if you've reached there in a reliable way or not. And and I and I am a, like I said, I'm a champion of I don't know if I find like we don't have a good reason to believe something or maybe we don't know it enough yet. I'm fine with. I don't know as an answer. And maybe we can continue the conversation later. Maybe you can have that conversation right. with somebody else. But again, I could see how on its face se could seem like what christians are doing when they are doing proselytization where they are making people feel vulnerable and and unwilling to s- or realize they don't know something oh, and then insert yeah. god at the end but there's no second well, cell in se this just oh is that it okay well yeah talk well to you later. evangelicals <laughs> generally start with a script and want to lead you down the script oh, and yeah. se does not do that yeah uh they follow where the conversation goes yeah it's true and and if they if the interlocutor makes good points you you give them credit for it and follow that point yeah absolutely true well when i went up to politicon for nashville in in, just a couple of months ago um we talked to a lot of people that had a lot of very strong political beliefs and we tried to see if we could do se with them and a lot Uh of the positions weren't necessarily my own you know se or my own personal positions like on health or uh, health insurance, gun control, you name it. There was, I had uh, people who were running for senators on the Republican ticket sitting across me saying, we should build a wall. Here's the reasons why I actually think that's necessary. And by the end of the conversation, I got a lot of it. I got a lot more insight out of something that before I was just off on or against on principle. Uh And now I realize, hey, there's a lot more nuance here. I can see why this guy's supporting this. If I'm ever asked, you know, counter arguments for my position, I'm going to bring this guy's point of view into my worldview because it's just enriching it with more yeah. perspective. Do you have that on video? Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. So have listen, you posted it? Yeah. So I'm just, I've just started posting all the political chats. There will be one posted at one o'clock today, uh, which will be available to you by the time you already hear this podcast. And most of them will okay. be available by the time you hear the podcast. But Very today. Cool. I yesterday I posted a video of me talking with an impersonator for President Trump. <laughs> it was very very good. The guy was so smart. What? Yeah, a what guy dressed up as Trump. A oh, guy. oh, okay. And let me tell you something. As far as like talking to like the most extreme <laughs> person, you really? can, yeah, it was great because the guy was so funny. He was obviously a comedian, uh, obviously mm-hmm. leaned liberal, but he had some really really funny points that was just like, okay, that's great. Yeah, I have to say that one. Yeah, I'll. I'll it, send- was, it was very. It was very enjoyable. <laughs> I watched it. <laughs> um and then i'm talking to a guy who said he's beyond closed-minded that a god existed and that's going to be posted today and it's a, it's a really good show of why se is useful because in my opinion i don't think there is any good reason to be closed-minded and if 
and you have the opportunity to be open-minded about everything. You should be able to question everything. And I think right. um, that's that's also another stake that I have in the conversation, just being surrounded by less closed-minded people. So he's right. We we definitely have stakes in the conversation. Um, I'm not pretending that I don't, but it's not me trying to change someone's mind. It's me trying to just keep someone open-minded. And I think that's the big differentiation between what I do and what maybe... And to get them to think. Hmm, it's true. You know, you can have an open mind and, not, and still not think. <laughs> oh, oh, Larry with the nuance. <laughs> Eric, anything you want to throw in here while I get the next question loaded up? Yeah, well, um, maybe maybe a quick question about the other video you're talking about. Are, are you saying this video, yeah. the, the one you're about to post, is someone who is closed-minded about being, there is no God? Oh, that there is a God. Beyond closed-minded. Oh, so beyond he, closed-minded. It's a oh. man who is running for mayor in Nashville and is also going to run for mayor in Nashville. And one of his positions was that, uh, his, as a black man, he believes that there should be representation in the police force that are sort of like a ambassador of a particular area of a city. And I was like, that's kind of cool. Sort of like more of like a lazy, a public civilian liaison for the police. That way they know like, you know, this is what the climate is of this particular neighborhood. Here are some people that are a particular members of influence. This is what we are able to do as far as like, you know, volunteer programs and, and stuff like that. I was like, that's cool. He was very insistent though, that that person, that liaison was, should be a member of a church. And was not open to oh, it really? being like a principal oh, or a wow. teacher or like a civil or an worker. atheist or an atheist, <laughs> but it had to be God a preacher because there's yeah. enough preachers in Nashville <laughs> that on yeah. every block you can totally have a, a church guy. And, he's, and I was like, well, that's, yeah, that's discrimination. It is. It is. So I was like, what about the people who don't go to church? And he's like, I, I'm not aware of like, you know, the people who don't go, but I would say that the people who do go are part of a community and it's really important. So like mm. at that point, I transitioned the conversation wow. from, his belief that pastor should be the liaison to does he believe in a God or not? And he said, yes, I'm a hundred percent. I'm beyond a hundred percent. And typically whenever someone says I'm a hundred percent on God, I try to, I try to define what they mean by that. And I can load, I can load it with just saying like, so you think you don't need to ask any more questions? Yes. I don't have to ask any more questions. Are you so sure that you know you can't be wrong? Yes. I'm so sure I can't be wrong. Are you closed minded on it? This guy tells me he's beyond closed minded and you'd be surprised how, when you throw out the closed minded on a hundred percent, how many people actually continue to embrace hundred percent? Cause to them being absolutely confident in God is a value is like a, as value statement yeah. and not so much a critical thinking statement. So well, when, when did this conversation take place in, in Politicon Politicon? No, where, when, oh, when, uh, I would say early, late, Late October, October. So he's still 23rd. a candidate. He, this is still on. <laughs> this is still ongoing. <laughs> well, he lo- well, he lost last time, so I okay. would. Uh, and I did talk to some high profile people, so who knows? I, w- I was about to say like, "Hey, talking to me must must not be in a good situation." <laughs> but no, yeah. I, I talked to I talked to some I talked to a uh, Jordan well, Lee Peterson. Uh, yeah. His first name's Carlin, <laughs> and uh, I talked to uh, Jesse Lee Peterson. Clay Aiken was there. But I did not get a chance to talk to him. But that was that was just a random thing. Um, but yeah, uh, here's here's a question actually about the confidence scale. I thought we might go into. Um, this question was asked by Oddball seven seven seven. I started with my belief that there is no God, though I got stuck pretty quickly. I've been trying to quantify my atheism. What's a good place to be confidence scale wise on atheism, given our current knowledge? What is the maximum level of certainty one can have about something not existing? 
Well, I would think it depends on how long you've been looking into it, hmm. uh, how long you've been asking questions and getting answers, uh, how much evidence you've looked for and not found. Uh, I've been doing it for nearly 50 years. My confidence level is right up there around 98. Okay, so not but absolutely. A person, a person who uh, maybe is 12 years old <laughs> and never been given any uh, uh, indoctrination one way or the other, you know, his confidence level would be lower, I would think. Cool. And what does that 98% mean to you as far as like, is it just, you know, it doesn't exist or? Well, like- I, I guess I have to say that I act like it's knowledge. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I still have an area where my mind is open for it and okay. new, new evidence, new uh, arguments, although I've pretty much heard them all now. Mm. Um, I've had convers- so many conversations with believers who know of an atheist and have uh, come to me with everything they have uh, as far as logical arguments and scriptural arguments and 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 all that and it's just i've heard it all and all everything i've heard is easily knocked down Fair there's enough. no real evidence there's no there there <laughs> eric i'm interested in your answer too i would say for me the more specific we get about a god claim the lower my confidence in that god becomes and if we're talking about like the christian god specifically as detailed in the in in i don't know the the NLS translation of the Bible, I would be where you're at, Larry, about 98% sure that that's not an actual being or and uh-huh. de- and maybe even close to a hundred percent that I, that's not worth worshiping. That being's not. I'm worth glad you brought that up. I'm less, I'm less confident about a deistic God than I would be about a specific God, exactly. like a Christian God or something. Yeah. If we're talking about like a general God or a deity that had no one worshiping it or, or right. like there's just no information about, I'm exactly 50% on that being. And, right. what, and what I do is when I have my conversations with believers, I start out with my 50%. Even if they tell me Seventh-day Adventists, uh, I only worship on – it's like you're guaranteed to have a different perspective on that God than the person who's sitting next to you on the pew and, and maybe even your preacher. So I'm just going to start out right. at 50% with you. And we'll just see yeah. what that God is, and I'll let you know where I feel afterwards. But right. yeah, Eric, where are you at? So yeah, so we we talked about this before, Ty. But uh, um, we we use the Dawkins scale mm-hmm. uh, in our discussions, just as a nice barometer for for people. Um, and and we don't have a confidence scale in it, but as a proxy, um, basically the Dawkins scale is one to seven, and a a one is someone who absolutely believes there is a God and is a hundred percent certain and then a seven is uh you know the opposite i absolutely believe there's no god and 100 percent uh certain so th- those ones and sevens when they come when they come to summits they're they're both troublesome because they're close-minded <laughs> they're not they're not changing it's true we've had we've, yeah. had a, we've had a seven before and i got you know when i was reading richard dawkins book i, I when i was reading about the scale i was i claimed a seven i said i'm a seven yes mm. and i was disappointed to read that richard dawkins wasn't a seven mm. you know i forget how he put it but it was something of six point something and and now that's where i am after thinking about it more yeah i'm not gonna absolutely claim that there is no god i just don't believe in one exactly. and i'm not right. you know i'm not a hundred it's not a hundred percent i mean it's i'm a 6.9999 repeating but um i just won't call myself a seven because it seems ridiculous um, right and yeah, I guess uh, so, you don't want so to find we, yourself yeah. on the extreme of like any degree of absolute certainty or knowledge or belief yeah. because it's good to be open minded. But 
you yeah. got to make a case for it. <laughs> and if you don't make a yeah. case for it, I'm not moving down for my 6.9 or my 98%. Right. But if, right. we're, if we're talking about something so ambiguous in general, I'll just start off with 50% because 50% to me is I don't know either way. And I'm, I'm willing to listen to it, but that does, because I'm at 50% doesn't mean that I'm, I'm believe it. It just means I still don't believe it. I just don't know what you're talking about. So, you know, make a case and we'll, I'll tell you where I'm at. That's basically it. And th- th- this, this whole area of conversation reminds me of something that routinely comes up with most anyone I talk to in this, in this context and, and a bit of a soapbox for me. So I apologize, but Go for it. Go it's for where, it. <laughs> it's where people misuse the word agnostic. And, oh, they like to think, they like to think that an agnostic is someone in between a believer and a non Right. right. And, and that's just not true. Mm-hmm. Gnosticism is about knowledge. You, you either know this is true or you don't know this is true. Right. So when people ask me if I'm a uh, an agnostic, I am an agnostic. I'm yes. an agnostic atheist. Yes. Right. Me too. I, I don't believe in a God, but I don't know there's no God. Now, again, I'm, I, I'm, I, I guess it's weak. I call it weak agnostic. I'm, I'm very, this is where it gets into, if we're talking about a specific God, mm-hmm. you know, right. I, I'm more, I'm more Gnostic. Uh, I have less uh, doubt. Maybe is a better word. That's where your confidence still really right, helps. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm an agnostic atheist. And 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 when someone says oh, I'm not really an atheist, I'm more an agnostic. Right. It's like you can be both. Yeah. You want to yeah. know the funniest thing? <laughs> yeah. When I hear when someone tries to call me agnostic, even when I tell them I'm an atheist, I've had this happen to me when we were at the protest. I would say, hey, I'm a, I, they say, well, you're more agnostic. It's like, no, I'm also, ag- I am agnostic, but I'm also an atheist. I'm an agnostic atheist. Yeah. It's like, you're not an atheist because you're fun and, and reasonable and, and a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's someone told me that I'm like, <laughs> when you're so dumbfounded, you can't. It's really hard right. to respond. It's like, I appreciate yeah, I've, the comment. I've had that too. Um, one thing that uh, people come to me on, on the Ask an Atheist table and I say, where do you lie on the belief spectrum? Mm. And they say, I'm an agnostic. Yeah. And I say, okay, so that means you don't know. And they say, yeah. I said, okay, you told me what you know or don't know. You haven't told me what you believe. Oh. And that makes that makes the point to them that they that that's a separate topic and a different label. Yeah. So that we need to talk about that. Hey, I'll also throw this in too. I've gone to Sunday Assembly in Nashville and and done multiple conversations with people there. And I've talked to like people who are like openly non-believing in God, but still call themselves agnostic. And when I ask right. them, do you believe in a God? No, absolutely not. Are you an atheist? Right. No, I'm more of an agnostic. And this yeah. is coming from a person who's like yeah. openly in a Sunday Assembly. What's that all about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. I think that their, their definition of atheism is a, a militant mm. uh, anti-God uh, speech, speaker sure. uh, or, or worker. Uh, and uh, they just need to be told what the definitions of the words are. They or, obviously haven't looked them up. Or be shown examples of people who are openly atheists and they're like, oh, well, that doesn't fit the mold that I had in my head. If, right, if this right. guy's pretty chill mm-hmm. and has like fun conversations with people and yeah. laughs. Or and, just flat ask them, what do you think atheism means? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's a good place to start. I asked them that and then at the end of the conversation, they're like, okay, I can see how it can apply to me. Uh, but I don't think right. it's a label they would adopt. There are, how do I put it? We've had um, atheists on the show who are like, I'm an atheist, but I don't subscribe to it as a social group it's more of just like a technical reality of where i'm at but like uh i i agree that i quantify i qualify as an atheist 
but it's not a identity for me. It's more of like, uh, I just happen to not believe in a God. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. Like, I get that. I just don't like the idea of like, oh, well, I'm actually an agnostic because I don't believe in a God. It's like, don't muddy yeah. the words any more than they need to be. <laughs> yeah. Give it seven years. Uh, great. Right. Yeah. I've said this many times on the show before, but it just kind of gets me when somebody says, I don't believe in God, but I'm not an, I'm not an atheist. Ah. It, to me, it, to me, it's like, I'm, they're sitting over here pointing at us saying, yeah, I'm an atheist. Well, I don't believe in God, but I'm not with them. And it just really gets me, you know, they're, they're separating themselves from us. Like we're some pariah or something. If we actually, uh, accept the label, ah, geez, guys, we're at the end of the show and we have so many yeah. more questions to go through. <laughs> okay. Oh, we got more show material. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Yeah, we'll keep this up later on. <laughs> sure. uh, Larry, do you want to do your, uh, okay, let's do this. We'll do a round table last word uh-huh. before we close out. Okay. I, I just want to say, Eric, thank you for joining the show. Uh, yeah, Malik, thanks, we miss you. Uh, feel free to jump in anytime you want to in the future. And um, anyone else interested in knowing about the show or contributing as well, uh, feel free to just reach out on Reddit. We'll be able to happily answer any of the questions you post there. Eric, you got anything you want to say? My final thought will be uh, uh, related to what we were just talking about. Greg Grafton, the lead singer from Bad Religion, famously uh, said that he doesn't like to call himself an atheist because that tells people what he's not. So he likes to call himself a humanist. I always thought that was kind of neat. That's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, that works. Okay. Um, generally, if anybody has questions about the show uh, or about atheism in general, write uh, email to askanatheist at knoxvilleatheist.org. If you're interested in listening to previous shows, you can find them on Stitcher or YouTube. Um, I mean, iTunes, excuse me, or go to digitalfreethought.com and look for our podcast page. Then you can download them and listen to them from there. And uh, to end the show, as usual, if you're ready, uh, (laughs) Wombat, don't sweat going to heaven or hell. The time to worry about it is when they prove that heavens and hells and souls are real because everybody's going to somebody else's hell. Don't sweat it. And we'll see you next week. Wednesday at 7 o'clock on WOZO Radio 103.9 LP FM here in Knoxville. Say bye, guys. Bye, guys. Later. See ya. Thank you for having me. WOZO LP 103.9 FM, Knoxville.